Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, it's Manveen here. This weekend, Turkey goes to the polls in what are already being billed as the most important elections anywhere in the world this year. Today, I'm handing over the presenting to the Sunday Times Middle East correspondent Louise Callahan, who's been on the ground following the story. I remember my sister coming to me and saying that she was wearing a mini skirt. She was at a hairdresser shop. And uh, the hairdresser was like, oh, the AKP one. So you won't be able to wear those mini skirts again. So she was traumatized. That's Berileski, a freelance Turkish journalist. She's telling me one of her earliest memories of hearing about the AKP, the party of current Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan. The AKP had just won the 2002 election, and many in Turkey were worried that things were going to change. I remember myself telling my cousin, like, they're so dangerous, we won't be able to wear bikinis again. So the idea was that the Islamist parties, if they can win the elections, they can rule the country with Sharia. So we were always afraid of them. It was just the prejudice we had in mind when we were kids. To begin with, Belen and her friends' fears were pretty exaggerated. 20 years ago, Turkey was, and still is, a proudly secular country. But things did begin to change. And in recent years, the country's been beset by corruption scandals, an economy in freefall, and rising illiberalism. At the center of all this is one man, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. A populist, a strong man, who has been compared to Hungary's Viktor Orban and Brazil's Jair Bolsonaro. This Sunday, though, Erdogan faces a test. Turkey is holding what might be the most important presidential and parliamentary elections in the republic's history. Erdogan is back on the main stage and facing the most hotly contested race of his tenure. He slammed his opponents with an unapologetically populist discourse. This is a critical moment for the opposition coalition and its candidate, Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu. So what do people in Turkey think? And what does it mean for the rest of the world? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Louise Callahan, the Middle East correspondent for The Sunday Times. Today, Turkey, an election on a knife edge. Is Erdogan's time up? I've been living and working in Istanbul for the Sunday Times for the last six years. Turkey is an almost entirely Muslim country, but it has a secular constitution. It is a democracy, but in recent years, government critics say that it's coming under threat. 
Sunday's elections are the first elections that I've covered here where it feels like Erdogan might actually lose. Erdogan is currently polling at about 42.5% and the main opposition leader, Kamal Kirish Sorolu, is at 48.5%. Both are short of the 50% that you'd need to win in the first round. Today, I'm going to a town on the Black Sea, traditionally an Erdogan stronghold. However, some there are now turning against the president. But first, I was chatting with my friend, the journalist, Beryl, about how we got here. My name is Beryl Eski. I'm a freelance journalist based in Istanbul. So let's step back a bit on to how Erdogan came to power. He's born in Kasımpaşa, which is this very working class neighborhood in Istanbul. There are lots of people there who like him. Their families come from the Black Sea. And Beryl, what, what's the stereotype of Black Sea Turks? <laughs> Their temperament is very up and down. They're loud, they're dominant. You can spot them easily if they're in a crowd. They have a way of making everybody else sure that they are present there. In that sense, then Erdogan is definitely a classic for, Black Sea Turk. For sure. In addition to that, Erdogan is a people's person. He's very much liked by the people. That's actually what made him a great leader, a great politician, because people always loved him. And even if he makes mistakes, people keep loving him, especially during the first decade, I would say. No one could beat him. He had no rivals from the party. That's what helped him when he rose to power, right? Because he was an Islamist politician in a country where secular people are incredibly suspicious of Islamism. So he came to power because he was this kind of incredibly charismatic, bombastic, pugnacious mayor of Istanbul. So Istanbul is Turkey's biggest city and it's a real powerhouse. It's like the economic powerhouse. Ankara might be the capital, but I think Turkey's soul is in Istanbul. So Erdogan came to power there, became mayor in 1994. Then he just set about cleaning the place up. He was just efficient. That's what everyone says he about was, his yeah. early years, right? Yeah. I remember from my childhood, there was a lot of pollution in the air. There was a lot of mess. They would always cut power. And after Erdogan took over, there was a sense of order. You would see the city getting better, more clean for sure. He made things that were visible to the people. That's also a reason why people like him so much. Recep Tayyip Erdogan was born in 1954. He was a serious, deeply religious child. His uncle once told me that Erdogan, his mother and his siblings suffered under their sometimes violent father. As he grew older, Erdogan became a kind of leader for the neighborhood boys who admired his piety and his skill as a footballer. He even played semi-professionally for an Istanbul club. He started getting into local politics and by 1994, he became mayor of Istanbul. Erdogan was, by all accounts, incredibly effective as mayor. But in 1998, he was jailed for inciting religious hatred at a rally. The popular Islamist mayor had become a threat to the secular Turkish establishment. However, he returned to politics and in 2002 helped lead his AK Party to victory in the general election and became prime minister the following year. Now, over the last two decades, he has faced huge challenges to his power. There were multiple corruption scandals that eroded trust and made Erdogan think that he was being targeted by enemies inside the state. 
There was also a growing perception among liberals that the AKP were pushing an Islamist agenda, like banning alcohol sales at universities and drinking within 100 meters of a mosque. In 2013, the Gezi Park protests began. What began as a protest over a park has now taken on a deeper importance. They're now demanding the fall of the government. 11 people died and thousands of people were arrested. You can probably see the tear gas being fired by the police and the protesters are running in all sorts of directions. Erdogan survived all of these challenges. But then, in 2016, came his biggest test yet. These are some of the pictures coming into us from the Turkish broadcaster NTV, which appear to show military vehicles. So the Turkish military now at least has control in part of the capital city, is that right? Yes, indeed. indeed it's... A faction within the armed forces tried to overthrow him unsuccessfully. A defiant President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has addressed crowds of supporters in Istanbul. In the wake of the attempted coup, Erdogan used a renewed swell of support and feeling of unity to push through a referendum on constitutional change. His argument all along has been that only a really strong presidency can galvanize Turkey into being successful and wealthy. So he's getting rid of the old constitution's checks and balances. He's giving himself the power to hire and fire the country's judges. It made him much more powerful. Since then, his critics say he has gutted institutions. The judiciary has been hollowed out, journalists have been locked up, and he's imposed his economic ideology on the supposedly independent central bank. I mean, you can call Turkey a liberal democracy. I'm not sure if that actually fits. Because he's the sole decision maker, things are not working efficiently. Like he has this theory about economy, very unorthodox theory, that if you decrease the interest rates, eventually it's going to decrease the inflation. And it didn't work. Today in Turkey, the inflation is, the official number is around 60%, but the real number is said to be around 100%, over 100%. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to define Turkishness and he wants to centralize himself in that definition. So anyone against him is a terrorist. So not Turkish enough. When you're in power for so long, and when you see that, you try a little bit further, a little bit further, and nothing happens to you because there are no checks and balances. I feel like he's always trying his limits, and then he wants to test how the people are reacting. He does his pause, and he takes his next step accordingly. Erdogan not only wants to exert power at home, but he has also worked to make himself a power broker on the world stage. Turkey is important. It sits on the eastern edge of Europe and the west of Asia. It is part of both the G20 and NATO. Unlike the other European countries, Turkey prefers to be the mediator between Ukraine and Russia. Turkey is uh, more into collaborating with Russia and China. And while Erdogan has kept President Putin on board as a sometime ally, his relationship with the EU and the US has been catastrophic over the last few years. He constantly accuses them of interfering with Turkish politics and conspiring to bring the country down. In previous elections, Erdogan, the charismatic populist, seemed unbeatable. But now, after 20 years in power, Sundays feel different. Polls show that Erdogan is neck and neck with the opposition candidate. 
I asked Belen why she thinks people might be turning away from the president. Because in a way, he represents the old school politicians, right? Like you get into politics and you stay in politics for the rest of your life. For especially younger generations, he represents a grandfather. He's lost his touch with the people so much, especially in the recent years. People cannot joke with him. People are scared of him. The other thing that people always bring up is obviously the economy, corruption scandals, illiberalism. But then the last factor, which has really come out now two months ago, is the earthquake. Yeah. How much do you think that's going to affect the election? It's certainly going to have an effect on the elections. Some cities, some provinces are like erased from the map. Even Erdogan admitted himself that mistakes were made and he asked for forgiveness. And then there's the aftermath of earthquake where you can rescue people, you can provide them aid, and the government failed on that too. When you look at disasters, it takes time to affect the government and elections. So we believe that he actually pushed to do the elections early because as time passes, it's going to reveal itself more and Erdogan is going to lose more blood. Yeah, I don't know how thrilled the opposition are actually about the possibility of if they win taking over responsibility for solving the issues faced by the earthquake victims. So where are we now and what are we doing? Okay, we're in Trabzon and we're about to interview some people on the street. Trabzon is an ancient city on the Black Sea in the northeast of Turkey with a population of about 300,000. We chose Trabzon because it's one of the stronghold cities for Erdogan. But it looks like it's going to drop Erdogan's party's votes a lot here. A possible decrease in votes for the president in heartland cities such as Trabzon, where at the last general election his party won almost 70% of the vote, could be enough to edge a win for the opposition. Coming up, we meet those voters in Trabzon. But before that, It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So we're in the central square of Trabzon now, and the place is just absolutely covered in Turkish flags, and... There must be hundreds of them here, all hung up in bunting, strung across the square. And in front of us, there is a massive poster of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, hung on the side of a building. And it said, it says, Honourable President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Yeah, that's great. What's your name? <laughs> We met a woman who introduced herself as a housewife. The previous day, thousands of people had turned out to see the president at a rally here. But today, some opposition leaders were giving speeches. She believed Erdogan would lose. One man rule will stop. Soon, a massive sound system kicked off. So we moved on to meet some more people. This is your shop. This is your shop. How long have you had it? 37 years. We came across a shopkeeper who told us he'd be supporting Erdogan. Erdogan is a shopkeeper. He keeps his promises. For instance, he opened the grains corridor in Russia, which wasn't an easy thing, but he managed to do it. So he sort of opens a, a way for the world as well. That corridor, the grain corridor, between Russia and Ukraine, allows grain to be exported from Ukrainian ports in the Black Sea. The agreement was brokered by Turkey and the United Nations last year. Also, he's dealing with terror. Uh, he's doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Further down the street, we got talking to two teenagers. Young people are incredibly important in these elections. About a fifth of all potential voters are under 25, and half of them have never voted. Polling suggests that many are opposed to Erdogan's authoritarian rule. So according to the polls in these elections, Erdogan and the AKP will lose about 10 points. So why do you think that is? The economy is going down fast. Everything, everything is very expensive. And because they have been neglecting very important problems a lot lately, especially the earthquakes, the, when they promised that from now on the government will always be there for you, but in the earthquakes, even though the first 48 hours are crucial, the government sports came only in the third day. So, In Turkey, we have been for 20 years same government. You think it will change now? After all that happened, I hope that our society can finally see that they are no longer capable for running the country. Each 
Sibel Suichmez is a parliamentary candidate in Trabzon, representing the same party as the main opposition leader, Kamal Kilish Tarolo. Before she gave that speech, I managed to grab some time with her. I asked her if she believes that voters in this Erdogan stronghold could really turn their back on him this Sunday. AKP's votes are quite high here, but during the last 10 days, people are expressing their will for change in a braver attitude. They're openly supporting us. Before I'd arrived in Trabzon, Suichmes had tweeted that her party's election posters had been torn down. Do you think the AKP did it? AKP did it. They're very uh, treating us inequally. They can't even stand uh, 20, 30 uh, posters. They're trying to undermine and ignore the opposition. Then, Suichmas said that she feared that there would be an attempt by the ruling party to manipulate the vote. It's not possible to say that these elections are going to be fair. What do you mean? Do you think they're going to try and steal the vote? We are trying to show the elections as a practice, exercising our democratic rights, but they are showing it as a war. And they are using all I put both of her allegations to the ruling AKP, but they didn't respond to my request for a comment. So we just got back to the hotel after talking to people about the elections. We always knew that there are huge numbers of people in Trebzon who support Erdogan. But what the polls are showing and what a few of the people that we spoke to said is that actually there are some people, and it's a significant number of people, who used to vote for him and have changed their mind, have now turned against him. And given that the election's so close, that is really significant. And even people who are su- still supporting him, they want some change too. They want more jobs. They want things to be done better. They want the projects to be completed. They are asking for more. I've got to say that, that something that I noticed here that has become one of those things that people have started saying in the last few weeks, like if the opposition wins, it's not because the opposition's so great. It's because Erdogan lost. Yeah. If Erdogan wins... What do you think will change in Turkey? He's been spending a lot of money for this campaign. So I'm sure that we're going to pay for that after the elections. New inflation rise, maybe. A dollar spiking, gold spiking. People are like really trying to save money and buy dollars or gold so that they can actually save money after the election. But the thing is, so many young people are waiting for the results of this election and they're like... They're so determined to leave the country if Erdogan wins again. If he wins, what does it mean for Turkey's relationship with the rest of the world? I can imagine if the opposition wins, then there might be more stability and clarity in terms of foreign policy. I imagine it would be more, much more pro-Western. So Erdogan has this interesting influence in Africa. He's got influence in the Muslim world. He has problems with Syria, other countries, Greece, with Egypt, with Iraq, I'd say. And um, 
with the United Arab Emirates. So he has a lot of things in his baggage. So when the opposition takes over, they can open a new page with the with those countries. So after 20 years, where have we got to? Erdogan has presided over huge development in Turkey, particularly in terms of improvements in infrastructure. His supporters say he's turned Turkey into a world power. But some of those fears that Beril, as a young woman, had, like not being able to wear miniskirts, have, to a degree, materialised. The country's institutions, particularly the judiciary and the press, have been hollowed out and deeply damaged. Illiberalism has taken hold. The economy is in crisis. So if Erdogan were to lose, would Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu change this? He says he will, but first he has to unseat a strongman. And that will not be easy. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Louise Callahan, Middle East correspondent for The Sunday Times, and Berit Lesky, freelance journalist. The producers today were Will Rowe and Sam Chantaraslak. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you're already a subscriber to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can read my full report from Trebzon. I've also written a long read profile on President Erdogan, where I went to his hometown and met some of his family and friends. Thanks for listening.